Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, Matt, to me, uh, that is exactly what the Billie Jean King Cup, the Fed Cup as it used to be, the Davis Cup, and any sporting team competition, particularly in tennis, should all be about. What you and I have just witnessed over the last couple of hours between the United States and Slovakia, a match that has ended in the deciding doubles, the deciding set, the deciding tie-break to decide everything in that particular tie and one in which Slovakia managed to keep afloat because they'd lost their first one yesterday against Spain and there they were with Victoria Kushmova <laughs> coming up trumps and showing that she's the greatest player in the world at this sort of tournament um I mean it was it was exhilarating that what what we've just witnessed and um and I I didn't really expect her and her partner to get over the line in the end. But my word, they are one heck of a doubles partnership. We've got loads to talk about on the show today uh, from Prague. Matt's there. He's been courtside all day long. Uh, there's been a brilliant story involving Australia. We, we, we're going to hear from Daria Gavrilova, who's, who's quite a story in her own right, uh, a little bit later on. But we've got to start with what we've just seen because it was just so exhilarating. Yeah, absolutely. USA versus Slovakia, USA versus Victoria Kuzmova. Can we call it that? Uh, maybe we can. Player of the day, two wins, uh, three wins from her four matches this this week already. Gosh, it, it feels like this podcast has been has been a long time coming, David. Look at your face. <laughs> <laughs> you are brimming with with excitement I, about I mean, it all. I'm, I'm very guilty of wanting to have my cake and eat it with Victoria Kuzmova because, you know, I'm quick to distance myself and quick to take credit when <laughs> something like this happens. I'm aware. But, you know, she's been, she's been really good today. I mean, look, she beat Shelby Rogers in singles. That's a very, very legitimate win. And now she's backed it up with, as you said, a really close, exciting doubles win. I, I think we should probably just put a bit of meat on the bones for the many listeners that weren't <laughs> around at the start of 2019 during the Australian Open. Just, just, just remind people why we are so exercised about uh, Victoria <laughs> Kushmova. 
Yeah, well, the 2019 Australian Open was my first Grand Slam for the tennis podcast. Uh, I'd gone out to Melbourne. We were doing our pre-tournament predictions where we had to fill in the quarterfinalists onwards. And I picked Victoria Kushmova to reach the quarterfinals of the 2019 Australian Open. Um, off the back of not very much, having seen her, I think, reach the semis in Auckland just the week before, I thought, you know, there's normally a surprise. Why not Kuzmova? Uh, turns out there were lots of reasons why not Kuzmova. Um, she lost to Alina Svitolina in the second round, that tournament, and then sort of actually had quite a good five or six months. She got up into the top 50. She was she was around. She became a bit of a thing for us for for a few months. But honestly, in, in the last year, last 18 months, her career has, has nosedived in, in singles anyway. Um, she's now ranked, you know, well outside of the top 100 and had, you know, become a bit forgotten really. But she loves this competition and she's she's rising, VK rising, as you <laughs> put in our WhatsApp. Um, yeah, what scenes? Which is a little bit of a play on the, the Nick Kyrgios hashtag mm. of about 2015, which was NK rising. Yes, his um, own hashtag. Yes. G- giving yourself your own hashtag is, a, is, is quite a statement. <laughs> um, somebody else who perhaps hasn't quite backed it up um, over the years. But um, she sure has in this competition. And, and that's been really one of the themes of the day is – the ability of players to play above themselves or to combine and and put their country on their back and, and off they've gone into the distance. But, I mean, we're, we're talking about Kushmova because of our sort of little relationship with her that she knows absolutely nothing about, <laughs> I would imagine. Um, but her partner, tell us about her partner because she's 23 years of age and I have to be honest, I'd never heard of her before this week and – she can really play. Yeah, absolutely. I think she had a good uh, junior career, um, but hasn't hasn't made the transition at all. And um, and they really combined very well. Teresa Mihalikova is her name, and she's quite fierce compared to Kuzmova, who's a, quite a lot more on on, on one level. Um, and yeah, I mean, massive serve. I would say would be the would be the thing which really jumped out. She she defended that serve very well. Laura Robson was on commentary on the world feed of that match, and you know was pointing out serving is you know it's an obvious point, I suppose, but in doubles, so crucial to be able to hold your serve. And and they did as a pair, and the two of them with their big returns were constantly threatening uh, Dolhide and Vanderway of the US on their serve, and yeah. They they played pretty well, I think, yesterday against Spain and lost a really close match. So for them to come back less than 24 hours later and put in a performance like that is is significant and impressive. Uh, I think particularly impressive because it really looked like they were going to win it handily because, frankly, mm. in the first set, Dolhide and Vanderway were appalling. I mean, there was a there was a stat given, Laura Robson gave the stat, that and she, she said in that lovely kind of blunt sort of deadpan way of hers 17 unforced errors in a 6-2 set of doubles is not great <laughs> um, and not a great day and uh 
I mean, it really was. They, they, they just couldn't get anything going at all. And yet, Vandeweghe is a player who's won Grand Slam doubles titles. I mean, she really is a good player. Now, obviously, she's been out a lot with with injury, and she's been struggling to get back and into the the kind of tour life, really. But this was a surprise, I think, for most people. Once Danielle Collins had leveled this tie at one apiece, and she she won her singles very handily against Karolina Schmidlova. But you know, once um once it went into this doubles, I think most people would have expected, particularly after seeing Spain win the doubles last night, that that, that would have been one sided. I I would have thought so anyway. And yet they found themselves a set and a breakdown. And really, Kushmova and Mihalikova um, just combined so well and and just took it to them and i mean they they didn't seem to be suffering from any nerves and actually i think it was a real achievement from dolhide and vanderway to to get themselves back into it and and right at the end there they got themselves a match point they, they were eight four down in that match tie break they clawed their way back and you could see the tension rising on the other side of the net and then once they got themselves to match point you'd got kathy rinaldi pictured on screen just sort of roaring at them and kind of kind of clenching her bicep and with, with her other hand as if to say just put the hammer down like thor right now <laughs> and uh, so that's exactly what they tried to do but mihalikova just suddenly played out of her mind in order to 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 just take it from them yeah totally yeah i'm i'm quite stunned actually um yeah, it was it was great doubles, and um, I think you know we often talk about this competition potentially being a launch pad. And look, I'm I'm getting way ahead of myself. But, oh, do do, but you know, little things like that can turn a player's career. You know, not transform them completely, but we have seen players in the past use moments in this competition to build. And you know, if either Kushmova or Mihalikova can do that. There's no guarantee that this win will put them through to the next round. Uh, this group is very wide open. Um, Spain are in the driver's seat because a win against the USA tomorrow will send them through. So, you know, we might not even see Slovakia again in this competition. So, you know, they've gone out on a high if if they have gone out and if they progress, we'll see them again. But, yeah, there's there's something for them to build on, I think, which is which is nice for them. Mm, that'll sting the US overnight, won't it? Oh, big time! And look, it's it's been a it's been a day of two shocks, really. You know, we'll get to the other one. I think the other one was actually more shocking: Australia beating Belgium. I think, um, but you know, the US they don't come here to lose to Slovakia. You know, they're, they're eighteen-time champions. They've got a strong team. They haven't got their strongest, but you know, St. Stephen's sat out today. That's that's how strong their team is. Shelby Rogers has been in good form. I think she she got a late call up because Jessica Pagula uh, withdrew after being a close COVID contact. Um, so maybe she wasn't quite as ready as as you might expect. And she but Daniel can Collins veer- did a job. She can veer dramatically in her level, can't she, mm. Rogers? We saw that at the US Open when she beat Ash Barty and then when she played Emma Raducanu as well as Raducanu was playing that, that tournament. Rogers put in a shocker that day and this was another one, really. Uh, and and look, her opponent, Kuzumova, played really well and deserved to win on her, in her own right. But even so, that was, not, that was not a good Rogers performance. Yeah, no, absolutely. So the only way for... 
the USA to guarantee themselves into the semi-finals is if they beat Spain 3-0. That will do it. And look, they're capable of that. Spain have got Saras Ribas Tormo. That's that's going to be a, a tough match for whoever plays her. Um, Carlos Vaz Navarro as well is is capable of brilliance, as we know, but you know Spain are weakened. So the US have still got a shot here, and I think it's one of the difficult things about this new format, actually, is that ability to be able to rebound the next day you know yeah. tennis tennis players are not used to that generally um you know once you've lost you're out but here you do have another chance and it's a very quick turnaround it's finished about half 11 tonight they won't be quite so late to bed as as the teams that finished late last night but it's still going to be pretty late and they're playing again tomorrow afternoon there's so maybe they'll freshen up the team and bring in Sloane Stevens. i don't know but yeah they've they've got a chance but that it will That'll be a blow for them, losing, mm. for sure. We've seen a few players today who were due to play. For instance, uh, Francoise Abanda was due to play mm. um, in her match and she won yesterday and she, she ended up having to pull out with a blister. You know, the, the, it's not that easy to turn that around as quickly and, and be fresh enough. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm really looking forward to that. But I think what, one thing we did really see today, you, you mentioned it in passing yesterday about how the doubles is heightened in this particular format when they're playing three rubbers within a tie and the third one is the doubles. And if they split those first two singles, doubles just suddenly comes into its own. And that was it in a nutshell tonight. I mean, it would be nice if there was a bigger crowd. It deserved a really big crowd that match. But even so, it was still electric. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'd got Novak Djokovic playing in Paris on, on, on the other screen at the same time, and he just about squeezed through 6-3 in the third, and, and that was great. Obviously, that was really good. But this match really was something else. I, 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 this Doubles has, has such an, a lot to offer when it matters like this. Yeah, totally. And the players were into it, the players care. And the, I think the biggest thing I can say about what this match meant is, would you be watching that match, that doubles, if it was Charleston? You yeah. Know? You know, Charleston quarters, Charleston semis. Look, certainly some people would be. I'm way more interested in it when it's the deciding rubber of a, of a Billie Jean King cup tie. I, yeah. You know, it just there's a lot on the line and you know it's a shame that there wasn't a big crowd walking around the stadium today there were times you honestly you might not even realize there was an event going on you know because there's just not that many people in the aisles in the corridors no big queues for food and drink and everything it's 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 not a great crowd but the players are buying into this format this competition and as a viewer that is the most important part, I think. Mm. And they know, I suppose, that if they hang around long enough and end up playing the Czech Republic, then they're likely to get a crowd. Look, Julian Benito said at the start of the week, as I said yesterday, the French team have probably been the most outspoken against the new format. That goes for the Davis Cup team as well. Um, but he said, the way I'm trying to sell it to my players is whoever wins this competition is going to remember that for the rest of their life and they're going to be talking about it as an amazing experience so if you do commit to the competition and you do have success in it it will be just as brilliant as winning in the old format i'm i'm, I'm sure of that so you know it, it seems like a lot of the teams get that and understand that and they're, they're giving their all and going all out for the win mm, yeah um another match tonight that was of 
great significance is that Germany are out. Um, they played incredibly hard. I mean, Andrea Petkovic has struggled all week, to be honest, with her form, and she she lost comfortably. But Angelique Kerber against Belinda Bencic had this doubles not taken off. I think that that's the match I'd have remembered from today because that was electric as well. And and there were both. I mean, particularly in the in the early stages of the third set, they were just hitting winner after winner. Both players. I mean, it was it was a highlight reel. Really, you could have you could have snapshotted that first those first four games. You know, stuck them in a hundred tweets and people would just be absolutely lapping it up really um and a great shame in the end that angelique kerber seemed to pull a stomach muscle or something like that and and was was not really competitive right at the end of it i thought it was fantastic that she finished the match that she refused to give in to whatever it was and and not let Benchich and the event have its kind of final moment and 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 she still finished the match but Benchich was a very interesting player to watch today I mean spells of utter brilliance what a player she is when she's on and then spells of petulance the likes of which are hard to believe a grown-up is is indulging in to be honest at the end of the first set I mean she threw her racket down like my kids used to throw their toys up in the air when they didn't win something when there were about two um and i think she she didn't she get a code violation for unsporting conduct at that point she did yeah yeah she did when she returned to the court having thrown the racket stormed out when she came back she got a unsportsmanlike conduct violation yeah um but then you know she channeled it and actually Yes, it maybe wasn't a great, you know, she didn't cover herself in glory for 30 seconds there, but I think I'd probably fall down on the side of, well, if that's what she needed to do, that's what she needed to do. And it worked because then the tennis she produced after that was was formidable. And I actually went out to, to watch that match courtside and the media seats on that court, it's not, not, not a particularly big court, they're quite low down. And gosh, I was just sort of, reminded that I've not seen tennis up that close for such a long time and I remember Catherine talking about that when she was at the O2 last year at the ATP finals just you can forget I think just how good these players are and how sweetly they hit the ball yeah you know you get so used to watching it on TV from that high angle um, I, I think tennis has never quite figured out the best angle for for TV viewing generally I think it is the high up angle but you do lose so much with that and just watching it from from close up, you you get a real appreciation for how good they are, and and for Benchik, as you said, the the tennis she produced at times was was breathtaking. She, I've I've always had ever since the U.S. Open this year, I've had Daniela Hantikova in mind. That that description she came up with of Benchik walking into her shots, the way she takes them so early, I was I just noticed that all the time now with her, and yeah, she was brilliant and Kerber did her best to drag her into a scrap and a fight. So it's it's a credit to Bengshik, who is such a smooth player that actually she sort of rode out those periods of petulance to end up end up producing the win and really good tennis with it. And now and now sets up a just a showdown with the Czech Republic and, and the winner goes through. Oh, that is something to savor, isn't it? Is that in a couple of days' time? Yeah, Thursday night. So I think that'll be that'll be fantastic. Right. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to that. I'm glad you said that about falling down on the side of 
saying fair enough you know if that's what she needs to get her going let her let her chuck her toys up in the air um because i i found myself shaking my head disapprovingly when i watched her do it and then i thought well that's a bit hypocritical isn't it because i'm always talking about how i love aggro and and if and there's often blokes who smash their rackets down and i think it's great so why have i got a problem with the way she's doing it I don't, i'm not sure exactly what it is I, I i think sometimes she turns around and she just looks like she's just trying to blame everybody but then so does andy murray so um you know i i i think it is absolutely fair enough to give her the benefits of the doubt and and also accept that she is then dusting herself down and going and going taking over she took she took that match over from mm. a set down she'd lost a heartbreaking first set 7-5 and she went and thumped Kerber 6-2 in the second set i mean it was mightily impressive got to say um so yeah czech republic against switzerland is a match i'm really looking forward to in a couple of days time hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tie break or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with Legends of the Game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. I didn't really expect to enjoy the start of the day quite as much as I did. Partly because we didn't finish until way after 1am and then I had to, <laughs> to do the school run this morning and I was finding that just a bit hard. But I was risen, I was shaken from my slumber by what I saw from Daria Gavrilova. And when she walked out onto the court, I, 
it suddenly struck me I haven't seen her in a yeah. heck of a long time. It was I like, Gavrilova? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and it made me look up her results and reminded me that, you know, I used to commentate on it, on her for BT Sport, playing against Maria Sharapova about six years ago, and she was a really relevant player. She was 20 in the world, was her highest ranking. And here she is down in the 400s. I mean, we're, we're going to hear from her in a minute, Matt, and, and we've got your questions to, to listen to in that as well, and, and, it, and it details exactly what she's kind of gone through uh, in in recent months and over the last year and and just what an astonishing achievement her her win today she she got a, a win over Greet Minnan today uh, for uh, for which is part of the reason Australia won this tie and, and actually have gone through but j- just give a, a a very quick idea of of how surprising this is given she wasn't really supposed to be playing <laughs> I spoke yesterday and I said I really like Belgium's chances in this group. You know, they've got pretty much their strongest team. They were playing a weakened Australia. And when I was thinking about a weakened Australia, I wasn't really even factoring in Gavrilova. I mean, I knew she was here. I just didn't expect her to take to the court. She hadn't played for 264 days since the Australian Open when she lost to Ash Barty. Um, she's had an Achilles problem and yeah, she just hasn't played a tennis match for that long. So for her to then come into this competition and play as well as she did, you know, it, it, you know, it wasn't Gavrilova at her very, very best that we've seen, like when you mentioned when she was up at 20 in the world, but it was recognizably her, all her usual traits, you know, her, her hustling, her fighting, her, Bouncy, sort of bouncy ponytail. Yeah, and, and sort of bouncy body just up and down yeah. on the court and chasing everything down. It was it was trademark Gavrilova from from that perspective. And she'd I think already had a win over Greet Minnan um in in her career. And I think her selection probably threw Belgium a little bit. They probably weren't expecting to face her. And Mollick, the Australia captain, said Sometimes you have to pick a player for historical reasons. And I'm aware of what Gavrilova has done in this competition in the past, how much she likes competing for Australia, her record against Minnan. And yeah, I just sort of had a hunch that she would do well today. And, you know, that's that's great captaincy because I don't, really don't think anyone was, was expecting that. And she's pulled it out the bag. Yeah. Well, let's hear from Daria Gavrilova. I'm feeling pretty exhausted. Um yeah, it's been a long process to get here, 10 months off. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. And I'm sure that the reason why I'm, I've won was because of all the work that I've done, but also because of my team. Um, nothing better than having so much support. And Alicia was amazing. So um, I'm exhausted and, yeah, really happy. If we look back on this last 10 months... What have been some of the toughest moments for you? Well, um, probably not seeing my boyfriend, Luke, who's been traveling. I haven't seen him since March. Um, So that's pretty tough. And um, in Victoria, in Melbourne, we were in lockdown since, I don't know, August. So that wasn't much fun because I couldn't see anyone but (laughs) maybe like my family mom and brother they were um in australia which was um really nice and uh, i was lucky i was able to go and train but i only saw 
two people, Nicole and uh, our strength and conditioning coach, Gabe. So it was a bit boring at times. Uh, yeah, I was like in the gym by myself most of the time. So yeah, probably nothing really phased me. Nothing will phase me after this few months. You know, I was probably struggling the most during Grand Slams when everyone's playing Grand Slams. And even though, like, okay, when Ash won Wimbledon, I was so happy for her. But I was, like, so sad that I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing here? I'm in this lockdown, just rehabbing. Am I ever going to play again? I definitely had my ups and downs where I thought maybe my Achilles will never, like, feel... Um, good um, and also like with my my expectations um, with the surgery that I would be like completely pain free like that I would have my right Achilles feeling the same as my left Achilles but um, it's definitely still like different but it's good different like it's it's obviously I'm running as well as I used to which is pretty cool <laughs> um, and but yeah, I think my lowest was when everyone was at Grand Slams and I was just in Melbourne, um, literally hitting fed balls. And um, I had to go to a cobbler to get my shoes risen. So on, if I don't play on court, my, all my shoes are like high heels. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm playing in these stupid shoes and just doing the same thing over and over again. So I think I'm probably here with the most motivation out of anyone here in Prague uh, because I haven't played a match since February and um, everyone has had a long year, um, different, yet yeah, traveling, um, not knowing um, with COVID, like all the bubbles and stuff where I was like caged in Melbourne and was like, Let's go. I, I want to play. I want to play. So, um, yeah, like I was, I was really excited and I probably never had this much motivation in my life. <laughs> Sasha, I know that Achilles was a problem for, for a while and I'm wondering, was it a difficult decision going under the knife? How, just the, the process of, of deciding to have the surgery. How, how, what was it like for you? Um, so basically after I played Ash, I couldn't walk. I, like, after the match, I walked back to the locker room. I had to take my shoes off. So I had two things, like, um, going on uh, with my Achilles. I had, um, like, bone deform deformity, if you really want to go into it. <laughs> um, it's called Haglund's bump. So we had to shave it off. And I had, or I still have, some Achilles issues um, that I'll just have to manage for the rest of my career. But um, basically, yeah, after the match against Ash, I was like, that's it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I need to have surgery. And the coaches asked me, so what's your pain out of 10? I'm like, it's 11. I'm, I'm, I can't play like this. If I want to really give it a good go at my career, I need to do something about it and so um, I had to pull out of all the tournaments and um, I got uh, scans and I was honestly just hoping that there would be something because um, 
with like the Achilles injury, I've got enthesopathy. Um, you you can't really have surgery for that condition, but um, my Haglund's bump it grew, so I was like, oh my god, that's it! I'm having surgery. So I was actually really excited that they did find something, and so I have one less problem to think about. And um, you know, like today, I never I didn't really think about my Achilles, so I'm really happy about that. That's really something, Matt, to to hear her describe. I mean, first of all, the the, the surgery she went through, and and the when you, these these are the things we don't really get to hear about from tennis players very often, and athletes in general, they, they often don't have the cameras on or or talk to the newspapers. I mean, there was even a tweet from her where she's she'd posted something to YouTube and said, "I got to got to figure out a, a way to stay relevant." She actually tweeted, which which is another little insight. I mean, I mean, you know, not not seeing a boyfriend since March. I mean, you know, the, these are extremes, aren't they? And and she's always struck me as somebody who just loves the game and loves competing and loves being part of it. And here she is at twenty seven years of age, and it might have been over. And who knows how how much more she's going to be able to play? Well, I really do wish her the best, but I love the fact that she's had this moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. The thought of, you know, she's been in Melbourne, which I think has been the city longest in lockdown in the world. The thought of going through that while injured as well and just must have been a really, really tough time. And she's given a, a really open, honest insight there in, into what it was like. And, you know, also very upfront and detailed about her injury. You know, I, I often understand when players don't go into a lot of detail about their injury but you know that is that's a lot she's had to deal with and you know it's 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 been troubling her for a long time it was a it sounded like it was a relief actually to get the surgery for Mm. her um but you know just just saying that when surgery is a relief that's that's an indicator of how bad it's been um so yeah i'm i'm thrilled for her actually that that she got this moment today at the same time even at one zero you don't expect Australia to win that tie 2-0 because they were going to be up against Elise Mertens in the second rubber. Who's who's the standout player in this in that tie? And one of the standout players actually in the whole competition. And yet she was beaten by a player with the actual name Storm Sanders. And I've been waiting to say the name Storm Sanders on this <laughs> podcast for a hell of a long time because I've seen the name Storm Sanders written on various websites for about the last six years. And, uh, and I've always thought, who is that? And I, I, is she ever going to be relevant in our world in order to talk about it? Because it's the most magnificent name. I told my wife, uh, <laughs> I, I'm watching a player called Storm Sanders and immediately made her go, oh, Oh, what's she like? What's, what's her <laughs> what's her story? And I, I always remember that she came along at the same the same time. Um, two American sisters were on the scene, and their names were Hurricane and Tornado Black. Um, and uh, and they were players that, that had been given those names by their parents for marketing reasons. Now, I have absolutely <laughs> oh. no idea whether Storm Sanders was given this, this name for marketing reasons, um, but but I've always sort of – I do love a bit of uh, uh, hype and, and, and whatnot, as you know. But anyway, she plays a lovely brand of tennis, left-handed. She's got all sorts of angles, and she took it to Elisa Mertens, and, and I st- – all the way through, as well as she was playing, I thought, she's not going to win. 
shit, you know, Mertens will turn us around. It won't, it won't happen. It blooming well did happen. <laughs> she was fantastic. Yeah. Just to confirm, David's kids do not have names for marketing reasons. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I was so impressed, and, and and actually, it was it was you that really alerted me to this match and and how good it was. There was quite a lot going on at the time. I was I was sort of running about the place, and you said, "Gosh, Storm Sanders is great to watch." So again, I, I went out to watch that match on. This was on the centre court in the bigger stadium, and. I really saw what you meant. She was great to watch. She was not afraid to come forward, uh, always took the ball on, looking to do something with it. And in the in the second set, she had a lot of chances but couldn't quite take them. And it went to a tie break. And I thought, OK, Mertens is going to come through here. Sanders would have pushed her. But, you know, we've seen that before. Sanders knuckled down, won the tie break. And then in the third set, she played unplayable tennis everything she hit just went in hit the line and it's by far and away the best win she's ever had in her career her her first top 20 win I think she'd only ever had two top 50 wins but you know she is a player who's been gradually building she's she's gone from about 280 in the world to 140 in the world this year she's still over 100 places behind Elise Mertens it's still a massive massive upset but yeah she's on the rise and you know, just like we said before about Kuzmova, can this be a building building block for her, a, a launch pad for more? Because with that game, you think there's no way she should be a hundred places below Mertens. It's just no. a, it's just a question of consistency and being able to be on the tour regularly. She's another one who's had had a lot of injuries, I, I believe, as well. Mm. Uh, great story, and it does mean that Australia have got a real chance now. Um, so when when do yeah. they play? Yeah, so they play Thursday morning against Belarus. Um, and Australia will go through with any win, you know, 2-1, 3-0, they will go through. Um, Molik said that Tomjanovic didn't play today because she had a non-COVID illness. Um, she was pretty emphatic that she'll be back for Thursday. So, so that strengthens them, you would think. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like Molik's punchiness. She says they're beatable. Like she was just like that's a winnable match for us, you know. And that's the sort of talk that you know is happening in the dressing room. You know they're talking about the other teams like that. But so often the captains, you know, will say something like, "Oh, we respect all of our opponents, and it's going to be a tough match." Of course, true. But I, I like they're beatable, and we're we're going for the win. Yeah, Alicia, you're welcome on the tennis podcast anytime you like with that sort of stuff. <laughs> so brilliant. Okay, well, what, what we got tomorrow, Matt? We have Russia versus France first. Um, just goes down to two matches tomorrow. We've had we've had four on each day the, on Monday and Tuesday. From now on, there's there's just two every day: one morning, one evening. And the morning tomorrow is Russia France. France have to win three nil. Um, if they don't win 3-0, Russia are through. Canada already out of that group. Um, so it be interesting to see what France do with their team based on everything we know about Caroline Garcia carrying a little bit of an injury. Russia, big favourites, though. We, you know, we haven't really talked about them today, but that's because it, well, there wasn't that much to talk about, really. They, they easily beat um, Canada. Marino put up a decent fight against Pavlyuchenkova, but easy win for Kasatkina. And they won the doubles easily as well. So Russia in very strong pole position. 
And then the evening match is USA versus Spain, which we've sort of already previewed. That'll be that, that'll be tight. I think that'll be close. Looking forward mm. to it. Yeah, very much so. Me too. Uh, well, if you want to watch uh, a stream of it, um, they have a stream available on the Billie Jean King Cup Finals website. Um, it's uh, €7.99 for the week uh, if you want to get hold of that. We've got we've got a link in our show notes if you want to have a look. I mean, it's, it's also on various tennis channels around the world, uh, like the Tennis Channel in the US uh, and Tennis Channel International. Um, but, uh, yeah. Have a look if you if you can because it's well worth it. Um, as, I, as I said earlier, Novak Djokovic won through his first match, Matt, since losing that heartbreaker uh, against mm. Daniel Medvedev in the U.S. Open. And I mean, he was really pushed by Martin Fuchovic today. I know you didn't get a chance to to see that, but just uh, there was a there was a moment in it when he was really sort of embroiled in this fight in the third set, and he won a point, and you got the sense that he suddenly reminded himself how bloody great this is to be in the <laughs> middle of a battle in Paris. And he just exploded with emotion and the crowd went up for him. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those, isn't it? You don't, you, I guess you never know how you're going to rebound from a, a real heartbreaking loss like that. Yeah, and I think something I'm interested in with Novak Djokovic at the moment and for the rest of his career, really, is whether the perception of him has has changed as he goes to these crowds mm. around the world. I, I think yeah. actually he's always been quite well received in Paris. I remember that amazing reception he got at the 2015 French Open final when he lost to Wawrinka. But, you know, I think he spoke about it in his pre-tournament press conference in Paris. Again, just what it meant to him to get that support in the US Open final and... I think I saw that he got incredible reception for his doubles match that was on centre court yesterday. And, you know, it, I'm just interested whether whether there has been a, a shift, you know, especially now, you know, this year, really, since the French Open, it's been him. You know, Federer's not been there, Nadal's not been there. He's sort of been carrying that, that big three. Um, so, yeah, I, I find that all interesting. Obviously, the tennis as well. Mm, absolutely well we'll look forward to tomorrow um we are going to be putting out our newsletter tomorrow so if you want to get on the list for it our newsletter sign up link is also available in our show notes um and so we'll have predictions in there we'll uh, be looking up um some Kuzmova stats no doubt because <laughs> matt's pumped player um, of the tournament david she is amazing she's <laughs> suddenly shown what all the promise and excitement was all about um, and yeah, so get yourself on the newsletter list and we'll send that to you tomorrow. Uh, it's free. It's just, you know, just get on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow night, uh, which is executive produced by top bloke, Chris Albert Lee. Uh, we have our mascots, uh, individually, Catherine, who's presenting Amazon prime video this week, um, coverage of Paris. Um, she is, her mascot is Zeus. Mine is rogue. Uh, Matt's is Scouse and Mousel. Uh, do we have a, a mascot for this week, Matt? Uh, yes, we do, actually. We have two mascots for this oh, week. Well, fantastic. Um, two cats. Uh, they're, they're actually famous cats. They have way more Twitter followers than I have. Bloody um, <laughs> <Plenty> hell. <laughs> Samson and Chester. Samson's a black and white cat, almost 13, and Chester is a grey, silver tabby. 
and um, owned by Kirsty. Great cats, great pictures, and they'll be in the newsletter. Oh, right, well, get yourself on it. Right, okay, that's enough for tonight. I'm off to bed. See you tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Acast and Befeller. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skide af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.